Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Get Out A Wrap and today it is a first for the podcast, my first transatlantic guest. Joining me from San Francisco is Anan Jane Falkar, who is the founder and CEO of UJet and UJet are the world's first and only um, con cloud contact center platform that's designed for the smartphone era of, of CX. So Anan, thank you very much for joining. Thank you for having me. We we first met um, a few, well, was it a few weeks ago now, um, fortuitously, and Anne had come over to the to London for the UK Contact Centre Awards. And we were in the queue to get in, trying to find some respite from the sun. It was a blazing hot day. And in the one bit of shade, uh, we happened to stand next to each other and just started talking. And, and here we are. So. <laughs> We did, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we both were trying to get some shelter from the blistering sun. Um, and uh, yeah, very, very glad to have run into you. And and again, um, the, the Contact Center Awards were, were great uh, to see a lot of these uh, esteemed folks in, in the same room and also to hear how vibrant the, the community is and uh, the support around it. So it, it was definitely uh, well worth the visit. Great. And it, you, you, great word there was around vibrant, the vibrancy of our industry. And I think what you guys are doing at UJET, um, the, the watchers of our industry and the people who are in it will have seen some of the things you are up to. And it's it's fascinating your kind of take on, take on things. And I really want to kind of get into what you're up to and your vision. But as is always the way on this podcast, and sometimes people find this a little bit difficult, but I'd like to talk about you and how you found yourself and how you specifically came to set up UJet and what's important to you. So where did it all start, Anand? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a different journey that might be expected uh, for someone in uh, the customer experience enterprise software. But uh, I started my career at uh, in the, the smartphone world and the cellular world. Uh, always was fascinated by how a uh, voice could transcend uh, between two humans uh, without having to be connected by a wire. So very early days, got fascinated by car phones, got fascinated by cordless phones, things that might not be, for most of the audience, might be before their time. But, uh, but then that kind of went over to satellite phones and cellular phones in particular uh, really piqued my interest. So. Uh, decided to make it my purpose, did my undergrad in electronics engineering, did my master's in telecommunications, and uh, started doing research for um, an OK Research Center when I was in Dallas. Uh, after that, uh, went to Motorola Mobility, where uh, I was able to be uh, in increasing levels of responsibility, uh, responsible for the, uh, the design and shipping of multiple smartphones and uh, across the world. So got a good exposure to how people communicate uh, visually and contextually when the device that they most use has the abilities like a camera, the abilities yeah. like uh, high-speed data and uh, location APIs. So fast forward, then uh, I also spent some time at uh, Kindle and Jawbone, but uh, uh, what I really, I always was very entrepreneurial and I wanted to start my own thing. Um, and when I asked myself, what is the biggest thing that 
I face as a kind of foundational problem, um, which which really makes me pull my hair. And secondly, how can I have my background help transform that? Uh, and with a last name like Johnny Falker, you can only imagine how it's difficult to to rebook a flight, to get a <laughs> response email, um, or to and all come that on stuff. a pod, to come on a podcast and have the host ask you. That's how right. Do how, how do you pronounce this name? Is it like Mary Jane Falker or is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one facing uh, that that issue and obviously proud of my heritage. Uh, but uh, it is the real problem. And uh, in, in an era where which partly I've helped uh, uh, helped with the visual and contextual communication, it just felt that there's such a big void when you have a customer and an agent, both who communicate visually and contextually via smartphone, or at least a cellular device with a, with a camera for mm. several, several years, put them into a sticky situation, ask them to solve an issue, and that issue leads to brand loyalty, to repeat business, to even uh, caustic reviews on <laughs> some uh, social media websites. So. I felt that I had the background uh, to bring that smartphone-centric, cloud-native, um, techno technological uh, just know-how, as well as the user experience side of it with the consumer DNA into this industry. So uh, that was kind of the, the start of UJet. And uh, that was uh, seven years and 11 days ago. So wow. uh, <laughs> we were obviously in stealth for the first two years because we, we built everything from scratch. Um, the first eight foundational patents uh, were filed and uh, we took a very small subset of customers ranging from uh, 100 agents to, to over 2,000 agents. And once we saw that operationally this was successful, then we launched. And uh, kind of the rest is uh, a little bit of history, uh, but it's still the beginning. And, uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for, for asking uh, the, the origins. It's always, uh, it's always good to go down the memory lane. Well, it's, it's fascinating. And I, I just want to touch on something you said there around um, so you're you're learning your trade and you're gaining all of this expertise and knowledge and then going into employed work, right? But did you always have that? You mentioned you had an entrepreneurial spirit. At, at what point did that really bite where you just thought, I'm, I'm going to, to do it? Yeah, I mean, it was always there um, if, if I really said, Kind of go down the memory lane and talk to some of my very early uh, uh, middle school friends and high school friends and uh, you know how, how everyone's closer now that uh, yeah. uh, with the advent of uh, WhatsApp and other services and uh, uh, they're like yeah it's, it's it's obvious that you fell into entrepreneurship because we remember that you would want to be the captain of the cricket team or the soccer <laughs> team or uh, the uh, the badminton team and uh, so on and so forth. So I think that it, I, this is kind of my purpose. Mm -hmm. But as as you as you mature the the process through the years, um, a lot of times I was I was able to really have great uh, talent retention throughout my time at at Motorola and uh, other companies. Uh, but uh, but that talent retention sometimes I wasn't able to help them be successful in a manner that I felt that if I had more 
uh, more control, if mm. I could help them chart their own destiny, uh, that would be really more more fulfilling for for just my leadership journey. And you kind of take those two together. It was a natural uh, kind of culmination of uh, starting your own company and uh, just enabling uh, uh, folks to to be successful. So oftentimes when when people ask me how how does it uh, feel like to be CEO, and to me it's like I don't know what your definition of CEO is, but for me it's chief enablement officer. So oh, as long nice. as you enable everyone to be successful. Um, because there's no no big company is a single person LLC. It is a team sport. So um, I, I truly believe that uh, CEO should be chief enablement officer. And when the when the team wins, when there's consensus, and when there's the uh, a, a singular war cry towards the north star, um, great things happen. I'm right behind that phrase. I love it. And I I think something else that I picked up on there was. This was born out of wanting to solve a problem. And certainly talking to your other team members, um, Ash and Kathy, the, the concept of building a contact center around the customer and customer <laughs> experience kind of lends itself to, to that. But you wanted to start something that solved a problem. And is that, would you say that's the kind of overriding passion and vision of you, Jet? Absolutely. Um... When you when you kind of look towards your own interaction models with the the products and services that you use, right? Um, it might be a search engine, it might be uh, your your online banking account or your mobile banking account. It it might be ride sharing services. It might be retail. You are already so deeply embedded and digitally acquainted with these connection points that are the the website or the mobile app. And uh, just the way life is, they're they're not flawless, right? There there there's going to be some issues. There's going to be shipping issues. There's going to be someone goes to the tries to pick you up at the the wrong street or intersection. Um, someone get you, there's lost and found stuff. So things happen, and you need to speak to someone to to solve that issue. So what what you see is a lot of times that interaction loop is completely disjointed from what your primary connection point is so uh, when, when i said like i felt that i could bring my background to this and really uh, at a very foundational level solve it uh, it was understanding that consumer interaction that consumer ux and the connection points and what makes those products and services so great is the simplicity of how those products and services utilize the ability of the smartphone, utilize the ability of high-speed data, utilize the ability of um, the uh, the camera as well as uh, other things in there, and just like the fluid uh, touch, visual and contextual interactions. So bringing that together and helping solve that problem making sure it's not disjointed from the primary reason why you love that product app or service was important to me and um it was uh, it, it was just natural that to the people i uh had joined joined the mission felt the same way uh and now we're finding that uh, pretty much everyone we meet feels the same way so it is very um it, it's it's very satisfying to see that uh uh, despite this industry having a pretty similar way of interacting and like IVRs have been around forever. Um, there's 
people are so digitally acquainted that they feel that this is just a natural um, kind of maturity phase for uh, how uh, two humans should interact. And it, it's fascinating when you talk about that kind of experience because we're, we're in this industry and we'll often be at odds with either the technology or the processes in order to try and deliver the experience that we we know our customers want that we want as as customers and yep. to be able to kind of look at that and go how, how can how can our technology base it around the user experience rather than help the customer navigate through some kind of maze yeah so i think there's there's a couple of things over there and i mean all all of the companies that have been in this space in the past obviously have a brand name because they've earned it uh, but I think one of the reasons that is they're holding themselves behind in terms of innovation is everything from a business perspective is designed on metered stuff. So like get on a call before you do anything else. And it's a very stimulus response based system, press one to do this, two to do that. Whereas when you look at how you interact with products and services, you either scroll through or you kind of flip through and you kind of visually and contextually, it clicks and you go through it. Um, it is very mind-numbing sometimes <laughs> to go through the <laughs> stimulus response-based, analog vectors-based things that were were incredible 15, 20 years ago, but they're mm. they're not anymore. Um, so that's one aspect of it where I think the business side of it also needs to be designed. So you're not designing it so that all of the way you're making money is metered-based. Like, no, get on a call first, and then your AI will start. To me, that's absurd. Um, it, it, it needs to be like wherever you're consuming the product or service, support and CX needs to be an integral part of it, not to have to shove you down a path, a forced path, and uh, say like, okay, your AI is going to kick in now, or maybe now, or maybe after <laughs> you mentioned this phrase, or sorry, I didn't get your accent, stuff like that. Um, so I think that that simplifies, right? Because we're trying to solve the same problem and people cannot pronounce my last name or the spelling of my last name when you're talking about accents not being recognized by your NLP and that doesn't kick in the AI. But but taking it a furthermore uh, is is how, how do you think about proactiveness, right? When, when you're on a website, a lot of times you're spending some time on a web page, there's a pop-up saying like, hey, do you want to buy this? Uh, this uh, soccer ball do you want to buy this uh uh tottenham hotspurs jersey um, <laughs> oh lovely <laughs> so those things you already have that intelligence in that connection point so um what I, where i'm going with this is that the interaction models are kind of expected based on the connection point you are um, so taking that and tying that into your CX platform is important. And the reason to do that is not only more fluid uh, interactions, but also because the customer satisfaction is much higher and they don't feel that they're being shoved down a process just to get some help or support. Um, how can you enable that? The way to enable that is with blended uh, multi-experiences. It is not omni-channel. Uh, you've mentioned before that yeah, as, as the sector evolved, there's like, yeah, there's these different channels. So we offer voice, we offer chat, we offer SMS, but you can't do a multi-experience in there, which kind of defeats the purpose, right? Um, mm, because completely. you want to be present where the customer is present. So I, I believe we're, uh, we're trying to get across this point about it's it's not just about omni-channel 
but it is about whether your routing engine can treat all of these different channels the same way, which allows you to have a fluid omni-channel experience. And we, it's, it's ma mainly multi-experience, right? That's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. So taking proactiveness, taking uh, the connection point and taking the blended omni-channel together is what I would say is uh, we're, we're helping our customers reimagine their, their CDX. And, and not only that, it strikes me that um, you're also helping the frontline team members, the agents, because especially with new generations and the generations of people that are joining our industry, in some sense, we, are, we have to help them unlearn what they're used to experiencing every single day and saying, right, yeah. this is how you interact with our customers using these channels. And, I, and I've been in operations um, where the agents have gone, well, can't we, can't we do this? And can't I interact with them this way? No, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, you can't. And correct me if I'm wrong, because it's it, you very eloquently explaining this, but you, what, you're, what you're saying and what you guys are up to is enabling um, agents to utilize the skills that they have inherently a lot of the time. Yeah, so it starts with basics, right? Uh, you, you don't use the agent for mechanical purposes because you're just doing a disservice to, to your organization as well as to that agent themselves. Now, keep in mind, this agent is very, very modern, uh, digitally mm. um, proficient, not just acquainted, yeah. <laughs> digitally proficient uh, individual. Uh, when you're putting them into interaction scenarios where they cannot use all that proficiency and they have to just go through a unidimensional uh, channel experience, that itself is kind of bringing down their ability to do things. That's mm -hmm. one aspect of it. So providing that multi-experience where they could utilize the visual and contextual proficiency that they have uh, in normal life is important. But um, I think the, the basic things, in addition to ensuring that you're not kind of pushing them back in time in terms of the uh, the, the maturity of the uh, the channels that you're providing them. The other thing is just to innately understand that you want to use the agents for what they're best at, which is experience, intuition, and empathy. Mm -hmm. The other mechanical and automated stuff can be handled by, uh, we have the technology today to surface information that the customer might have already clicked through. We have the ability to surface information to the agent, whether this customer has already authenticated themselves. Now, if you need, if the rules required that uh, making a change on an address on a bank account needs a re-verification and authentication, don't have them ask what's your favorite band in high school. Just click a button and have them verify using the same methods that your information security team has already proved, which is touch ID, face ID pattern, a passphrase, or an SMS that sends you an MFA code. So that is how you're utilizing the agents for what they're best at, which is experience, empathy, and intuition. And once you take those together, um, handle times become lower. Agents don't feel that they're fighting the customer. Customer doesn't feel that agents are interrogating them. And it just lends itself to a successful outcome. And I think you, you're not, the, the, the agents don't feel hamstrung and they don't, because I know that that has an impact on their mental health yes. as well. If you're, if you're continually, as you said, you know, you're working, you're trying to uh, provide a solution using your intuition, but you're fighting against your, 
your systems to do that continually over and over and over again does have yeah. a detrimental effect totally i mean just just think about it right the, uh the, we can have a bad day when uh, someone from our friends and family yells at us. Imagine going through that 20 times a day. It takes yeah. a toll. And mm -hmm. compare that with, okay, there, uh, now everyone's coming into a, a support query with some kind of anxiety or some kind of frustration. I think we should all kind of take that for granted. Uh, there's very few that are coming in happy and saying like, hey, let's take, take whatever time you need. I'm ready to repeat everything that I repeated five minutes ago and we'll go from there. That's just not the expectation, right? So I think we should expect that some people are either anxious because they have a money issues or they have a payment that they need to stop. There might be a fraudulent charge on their card. They might be getting a, a, a pre-certification for a CT scan. They're tremendously anxious. Mm. And for them to go through that repetition and everything till the time they connect to an agent, they're already frustrated. And that directly translates to the next person they talk to, which is the agent. So compare that with a scenario that you help understand uh, your architecture to whoever's working on the CX team. Now, this can be uh, elements of the IT team uh, uh, vision, elements of the product team vision, and elements of the marketing team vision, because each of these respectively own the CX infrastructure, uh, the app, and the website, because product and engineering owns the app and marketing owns the website. So um, getting them together to do kind of a pre-firefight is the term that we use, as opposed to a post-firefight when the, the, there's like, okay, this release on the website is clearly breaking stuff and we're getting lots of calls and chats about it. Uh, this particular thing in the app, this new feature is causing a lot of uh, confusion. So do that pre-firefight and then help change the agent experience so that people are coming through these connection points we are understanding the background, understanding which wireframes they have already traversed, which clicks they have already done, and then trigger your experience in there. Uh, if they're already uh, going through a lot of frustration, don't ask them to talk to a virtual agent and repeat the same thing. Mm -hmm. If they've already provided you a copy of their insurance card, uh, then just if you need to get it again, make it really seamless, make it really uh, friction free by clicking a button. Hey, like, hey, uh, can I get an opt in for an SMS so that I can get your uh, insurance card information again? Sorry, it did not come through earlier. But you see how succinct and quick that is using mm -hmm. the multi experience as opposed to mm -hmm. can you read me your membership number again, please? And what was the address on that? By that time, you've lost the customer. So, uh, and then that also helps with agents' mental health because they feel that they are solving the problem as opposed to they feel like I'm not able to get enough information to solve this problem and the customer's not giving it to me. Whereas the reality is the, the connection is not smart enough. It is too unidimensional. It's too analog. It is just not designed for this era. And that's why we feel that uh, agents... Um, that are on our platform, uh, having taken care of their persona uh, in such detail, we're we're seeing just glowing reviews. Um, nine quarters in a row, we were rated the the best experienced by agents. That's amazing because I think too too often 
they're often overlooked and, and just as you were talking then about kind of the how it's done how it's been done up to this point is kind of like right we've really escalated this customer now here they are yeah <laughs> please yeah. please deal with them as opposed yeah. to how can we how can we prevent that how can we deliver the customer to you in the best frame of mind and then how can you utilize all of the functionality of the platform to be able to deal with that customer in a way um, that, as you say, if they, if you're often presented, aren't you, with when a customer's got a challenge, that's a real opportunity to win brand exactly. loyalty, to win um, those kind of those kind of reviews because you've solved a problem. Yeah. It's only human, right? I mean, which friends do you like? The ones that help you solve problems. So uh, that that is one. I think there's a psychological disconnect sometimes when uh, when when designers feel that oh, I I am allowing this customer to connect to a human. I'm already helping them escalate that. Well, that's not how the customer sees it. The customer sees that I had to talk to a human because I couldn't get my answer through these several different merit of options that you, you tried to present me. So that's one part. And then when they actually get connected to an agent, I think there's just a cognitive distance between the customer and the agent that cannot get solved by an analog connection. So take those two things in mind and then uh, everyone's life gets better. Also, it's not the right way to think about just replacing agents. I mean, replacing agents is something that I think is uh, kind of very much misunderstood. Um, mm. Rather than replacing, help them be super, super efficient. Move the human capital cost for mechanical and repeated stuff to, human, to, to AI automation costs. And then mm. there's a cost benefit there. Agents don't feel, there's no agent that loves doing just mechanical stuff. They love okay. solving problems. Mm. So help them to really capitalize on their intuition, empathy, and uh, experience. And then use the AI, what it's tremendously good at today, which is the automated uh, aspects of it. And you know, um, you mentioned there the kind of nine um, consecutive kind of real positive reports on the, on the platform. At what point did you start to realize, you know, we've, we've got something here, we've got something a bit different. Um, was, there, was there a moment where you thought, oh yeah, this is, this, this is working? Yeah, I mean, there were, there were multiple points, right? I mean, you, you need those points of um, kind of being uh, accredited. To, so the, I think the very first point for someone that didn't come for, from the sector, uh, the very first time this happened is when I was showing my first MVP. This was even before I had incorporated the company to someone that was a chief experience officer at one of the top five companies uh, that was leading CX at the time. Um, and the question he asked me after seeing that is like, but Anand, why would you stop making all these glamorous, sexy devices and get into customer support? And my answer is because no one else is. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, fair enough. And he's like, okay, if you decide not to do this, uh, please let me know and I will do it. So that was kind of a, 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 a <laughs> yeah. real, um, it just... It was uh, energizing that, okay, this person that is leading this for uh, a multi-billion dollar company in the sector uh, feels that this is uh, worth something. And then there's, there's sequential ways, the ability to 
to uh, get enterprise customers on board. Um, we kind of did it a little bit backwards. We went enterprise first and then uh, moved to, to, uh, to mid-market and SMB. Um, uh, we, we just launched self-serve. Typically companies that go SMB first launch self-serve first and then go to, to enterprise, but uh, we did it backwards for some reason. Uh, we had uh, all security certifications done before we launched. Uh, we had GDPR, uh, HIPAA, and SOC 2, uh, as well as FINRA and Privacy Shield. So um, those also being able to uh, have these large corporations sign multi-year deals with you um, was definitely energizing and showed that we're, we're on to something. And then... Um, people like yourself, the, the influencers and uh, people that uh, are, are really on the leading edge of the, uh, the, the just the thought process on what, what is missing here. Mm. And uh, having discussed this with uh, several of them, um, it does feel that this is the way to go. Um, we, we've never pivoted. We've never kind of changed our uh, a kind of um, architectural thought around the end user persona, the agent persona. Um, we constantly innovate along with our customers on the admin supervisor persona because the operational uh, challenges and nuances are different for different companies. And so we, we always uh, kind of set aside uh, up to 50% of our development sprints to ensure that the admin and supervisor persona and their uh, requests are taken into consideration. And then furthermore, uh, being very developer friendly comes uh, natural to us uh, just because of our consumer DNA. I love that. And I think it's, it's apparent even in this short time, just kind of your phraseology your, your focus, um, the, the chief enablement officer, I love, but also something you mentioned right at the start that you, uh, an entrepreneur, but very team-based. And sometimes I think people will look at an entrepreneur and believe that they're very solo-minded. It's kind of solopreneur. But it seems to me that you you always have this, con you've, you've alluded to it, this concept of it, it being a team and you use we a, a lot. Is it is it been natural for you to to do that and surround yourself with good people and very much uh, i learned very early on that hire smart people to make yourself look smart so I, <laughs> that has never let me down and i'm i'm never let, gonna let that go and i know um you've given up a lot of your time i know you are a very very busy man um i hope this is just the start of our uh, conversations because there's so much more we can touch upon but and then um, thank you very much for just sharing that initial journey and some of your thoughts and visions around how you guys operate. It's, um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing each other uh, soon. I, de I definitely. Thank you very much. Take care.